some of the things we want to communicate is uh, just uh, uh, I'm planning to go on sabbatical this summer. It's been 20 years of ministry and looking to do that. Uh, I could, I could kind of push you, encourage you with that. I had a conversation with Chris Bronze this week who's going to come in mid-April and just speak about sabbaticals in general. And uh, he's been on a couple of them, and I, I talked to him about coming and preaching, and he said, well, I've been on two of them. They've been so helpful. I feel like I have a call of God upon my life to come and help you as a congregation just think through those things. Um, just hoping just the, the, the piling up of emotional burdens that happens in the life of any pastor, just for year in, year out, just sharing with burdens of people, just hoping to kind of let go of some of that during my time away. Looking to be refreshed in the Lord some dedicated prayer time, just time alone would be good. And time with our family, we're looking forward to that. Um, so they have a little impact financially. Um, uh, we're going to have um, just different guys preach. All the elders are going to preach. Troy Bedgood's going to preach six weeks in a row just to get an idea what it's like to get the daily grind of or the weekly grind of that. Looking forward to that. And we have some missionaries coming in. Bob Clinton's going to come and two guys from LRI. We're trying to slot them in and, and plan them in as they come. Um, also, just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, church membership. Um, just regarding next steps, uh, just in terms of what is, what's next with church membership. I, I, I preached the last four weeks about church membership, and you, you know all about that. And I just say there are two things going forward with church membership that you need to know about. First of all is the survey that I, I handed out. Um, you know, about a hundred of you filled this thing out, and I'm very thankful that you filled that out, um, but I really need you to fill it out again after the end of my four messages, um, because really important. I, I've been working for years on a doctor of ministry project, and if these don't come back in, I can't finish or do my project, so this would be helpful if you can do that. So I passed out about a hundred. I received ten back, and then this morning I've got about three or four more. So that's kind of what we're doing percentage-wise. We're running about 15%. Um, and so I will continue to hound you on these things. It just, I, just, I, I just need it back. So if you could do that, just if you haven't listened to the messages, it would be helpful if you listen to the message. If you say, I can't have time to listen to all four of those, at least listen to the last one because it kind of gives you a bunch of, of help with things. But uh, I just need to see the effectiveness of my teaching of what that's done with, with church membership. Um, so that would be helpful if you could fill that out. Second, so that's the first thing about church membership, uh, to get that done. That's pretty time-sensitive. Also, the longer you go on that, the more you're going to forget. Uh, I know as a, as a pastor, I've been told, I find it to be true, that most often when you preach, you know, by the evening, probably about 5% is remembered, and then by the next day, about 1% maybe carry on through the next week. So it's, it's, it's dripping fast, is what I'm saying, so... Um, if you can work at getting those together to me, that'd be fine. Uh, the second thing, our transition from informal membership to formal membership is our, um, our membership forms, uh, basically. Um, and so what, what, what you could do is that you recall this, this uh, form has Acts 2.42 on the front, the Apostles' Teaching, Fellowship, Breaking of Bread and Prayer. These are things that we believe are required of, of all uh, church members, just commit themselves to things the early church did, just submission to teaching and to committing to being around people and praying uh, for the church, and then um, undersigned as the elders, just even our responsibility as well, to care for you gently, humbly, uh, with grace. And then the back, there's opportunity for a testimony and uh, opportunity just to speak forth about what ministries you might be involved in and some baptism questions there. 
Um, so if you could fill those out, that'd be great. And, and so what's going to happen with that? That's not quite so urgent. Um, but what's going to happen with that? I, I've received a, a few already from some of you all filled out. and That's wonderful. We will respond with those. One of the elders will, either I will or others will, and come and meet with you and talk through this form together. Um, so just kind of submitting that, that's, that's one step that's good. We just want to go over this. You want to hear your testimony audibly that you written down, that you wrote down, just to make sure things are clear with the gospel uh, with you, that you un- understand, and just work through any sort of um, uh, church membership questions you might have, or, or thinking through just we're trying to define our relationship is really what we are, are seeking to do uh, with that. And so if you don't turn one in, eventually we will pursue you and just say, are you interested in that? Are you going to fill something out. And so for those who've turned theirs in first, we'll prioritize those. And if you haven't turned one in, then we'll pursue you. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, by the, the beginning of summer, that'll be all done. I, I want to wrap that up uh, before I take sabbatical as well as I want to wrap up all the heavy lifting of my dissertation before then as well. So just that's kind of where things are going next step with uh, church membership. Uh, second thing that uh, I want to talk about today has really been raised with the financial report. As, as Ray said, we're just um, we're behind in our giving, and um, we as a church are simply doing what any home should do when uh, they, they fall behind in their income, is they should just evaluate their expenses and, and cut costs. And because of our falling behind, our elders have asked me to preach a message about giving, and so that's what I, I want to do today. And uh, as I thought about a text to expound, I just thought about, well, why not go into Proverbs? We've been working our way through Proverbs uh, since the fall. The slide on the overhead, get wisdom, is the the theme of Proverbs, which comes from chapter 4 and verse 7, when Solomon, quoting his father David, writes this. He says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. So in other words, right, you want to be wise, then uh, what do you need? You need wisdom. And so the best way to get wisdom is to get wisdom. And uh, duh, right? But we should pursue wisdom. We should seek for wisdom. We should passionately seek after it, cry after it. In fact, Proverbs chapter 2 tells us that we should cry out for wisdom. And Proverbs chapter 2 tells us that we should seek for wisdom like silver or like a hidden treasure. That, that, that just consumes us, and these are the things that, that we want, and the promise of the Proverbs is if we do these things, we cry out for wisdom, if we seek it, if we pursue it like we would silver or hidden treasure, then the Lord will give us wisdom. Proverbs 2 verse 6 says, the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And that's really what we have sought to do this fall. We've, we've sought to get this wisdom, we sought to pursue this wisdom by pursuing the book of Proverbs this fall. In August, we began in chapter 1, and we worked our way through chapter 2, and we worked our way through chapter 3 and 4 and 5 and 6, and then Christmas hit, and we took four weeks just reflecting upon a Christmas theme from John 1.14. And then at the turn of the year, we have reflected upon um, church membership. But now I want to return again to Proverbs. I want to just be in Proverbs until the, the beginning of summer, and then I'll be on my summer sabbatical, other guys will be here, and then we're going to be in the book of Acts come in the fall. Uh, but next week, I plan on picking up in chapter 7, because we finished in chapter 6, working our way through chapter 9, and then we're going to hit some topical Proverbs from 10 and following. But this morning, 
We're looking at what Proverbs says about giving. The message is entitled, Giving in Proverbs. And what I want us to do is focus on one verse of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24. You can turn there if you want. If you didn't bring a Bible in your pew Bible, you can find it on page 535. As we look here. And, and my original plan was to kind of go to a bunch of verses in Proverbs. And we'll, we'll, we'll do some. But I found this verse so rich and just looked at some insightful things about this verse that we're just going to work this verse through and through and through and through as we think about giving. Um, the Proverbs gives us really, really two sides of giving. It does. In fact, uh, just let me, let me read it here. It says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. We see two sides in this uh, verse. We see the first side coming there. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. That's the generous side, the one who gives. And yet then on the other side, we have the, the greedy one, the one who withholds what he should give and only suffers want. And, and a very curious thing happens here in this, in this verse, right? The one who gives freely prospers. But the one who keeps, he suffers want. And that, by the way, is just counterintuitive to the way that we naturally think. I mean, we think that if we have and we give, do we have more or less? We have less because we have have given something away. What we had, we don't have anymore. And so what we have is, is less. Now, on the other side, if we keep what we have or, or maybe try to keep more, right, we think we have what? more, but according to this proverb, it says we have less. Listen again. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer, and another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. This is what I call God's math, just the way it works. Um, Let's try a word problem. I put this word problem on the, the kids' pages, and I bet they got it wrong, okay, because they didn't take into account God in this word problem, all right? Here, here's, here's, here's the word problem on the children's notes. It says this. You got a bucket filled with 100 apples, and then you take out 15 of those apples, and you give them away. How many apples do you have the next day? All right, what's the answer? 85. However, when you take what Proverbs 11, verse 24 is saying, you actually have 120 that's what this proverb is saying. The one who gives will be richer still. Okay, another word problem. You have a bucket filled with 100 apples. You keep your apples in the garage overnight. The next morning you go and count your apples. How many apples do you have the next day? 100. But according to this proverb, how many do you have? You have like 90. Like you've, you've gone down. That, that's how God's math works. Now, now, don't, don't get me wrong, kids. If you write that on your math problem, right, tomorrow, you're, gonna, you're not, you're not going to do well, all right? However, um, if you take into the whole compass God and His working, you, you see what God does overnight. God is in the business of giving, and God is in the business of taking away. That was Job's testimony. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or Psalm 127 verse 2 says, in the New American Standard, it's translated like this. He says, he gives to his beloved 
even in his sleep. So you, you give or you keep. And when you sleep, God who never sleeps or slumbers, Psalm 121, is about doing. And he's about giving or taking away accordingly. And as these words problems don't take God's activity into account, right, we just understand that those who are generous give of their wealth and God blesses them. And those who are greedy hold on to their wealth and it brings trouble in their life and God actually takes away from them. This is how it works in life. One gives freely, yet it, it grows all the richer. And another withholds what he should give and only suffers once. Now that's mysterious, this verse is. Um, how it works, we don't know. But you know what? I'm going to segue here a little bit and just say, you know, this verse is so much like the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus told a parable once about the kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts the sickle because the harvest has come. And there's the picture of the kingdom of God, just a, a farmer plants. And then, and then his crop just grows slowly and imperceptibly. And how he, he doesn't even know, but, but it's happening when he's sleeping and when he's rising up and when he's about doing his other business, the crops in the field are growing. And I just say, this is how churches are built. We shine forth our light. We sow the word of God into people's lives and we tell others about church and we tell others about Jesus and we tell others about the gospel, how holy God in love became perfect man to bear my blame. And on the cross, he took my sin and by his death, I live again. And we, we tell others of that and we tell others of, of how you can believe in Jesus and it can transform your, your, your life. And, and somehow... What we say, what we do, how we act makes a difference in people's lives. And many times like plants, the, what you say kind of germinates and, and begins to take root and, and begins to grow and, and, and begins to expand. But you don't realize how. And slowly, steadily over time, as you give yourself to other people, many times an impact can be made. Uh, I was playing pool this past week in my pool league. As I've told you before, I'm trying to be light in a dark place. Um, one of the guys in the league has, has faced some pretty difficult things this past year. He's faced some death in his family. I uh, can't quite remember. Brother and uncle, maybe, died suddenly. Um, now his, his mother and father, just in the past months, have faced some uh, illnesses. One with cancer a few months ago. One a, a few weeks ago, a stroke. And as I've talked about these things with him, I have expressed my concern, asked him about it, prayed for him. Um, I've shown genuine concern. And so last week, he, he looked me in the eye at the end of the night. He said, Steve, this has been a very tough year. And uh, my friends keep telling me that I need to go and talk with a therapist. I don't need a therapist. I don't want a therapist. I want something else. Is it okay if I come and talk to you sometime? Right? Is that not just, I'm trying to be light? I'm trying just to care for him, trying to, and this has been, I've known him for maybe two years or so, and, and I told him, absolutely, I made it clear, I said, I'm not a therapist, I said, you're my friend, I'm glad to talk with you, I'll talk with you as a friend and as a pastor, and um, 
you say, well, why did he seek me out? Well, because I'm genuinely interested. I show my, my light. You know, I, I'm interested in those who are playing on, on Monday nights. I've sought to be encouraging, to ask questions about people's lives. I'm open about my faith. I've been praying to be salt and light in, in that place. I, my attitude is different. <laughs> my, what I eat and drink is different. What I smoke is different. I mean, that's everything about about what I am is a lot, lot different. And, and, and I think God takes then my efforts and works in the lives of people. But, but who knows what the Lord is going to do in the life of this guy? I mean, it, it might come to nothing, as it most often does, or it might, might blossom. But, but see, that's God doing his thing, and we're just doing our thing, and we don't know what God is doing, but that's how the kingdom is built. Like, we don't know how it works. We only know what it does. And, and in God's time and in God's way, he builds his church. And, and, and that coming back here, that's like an illustration of the kingdom, which really I think is verse 24 speaking about a, a little bit in a similar way, right? It's mysterious. It, we don't know how it is that God rewards the generous, and we don't know how it is that God takes away from the greedy, but he does. That's the teaching of this proverb. The proverb addresses the generous and the proverb addresses the greedy. The generous is the one who gives freely yet grows all the richer. And the greedy is the one who withholds what he should give and only suffers want. And it's interesting here. Though God is not mentioned in this proverb, he is present in this proverb. You remember when we began the book of Proverbs? I said Proverbs 1 verse 7 is the key to all Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so you need to read all the verses in Proverbs in light of the backdrop of the fear of the Lord. And I think here, the, the place that the Lord is, is, is it, that there's something else going on here. Because when we do our math problems, not taking God into account, it's 100 minus 15 equals 85. But there's something else, there's the God factor there that increases it instead. And without God, it's 100 minus 0, right, equals 100 still. But with God in the factor, it, it, it goes down. Because God is in the background. God's in the, in the business of, of bringing blessings into the lives of his servants. And it might be subtle. might be imperceptible. Um, <clears throat> I was reading in Randy Alcorn. And, and he wrote about just some subtle ways in which God might bless you. And, and he talked about the, um, the washing machine that lasts decades beyond its lasting power. And he talked about the, the car that goes 200,000 miles and continues to go on without even a tune-up. And I'm like, we've, we've seen both those things, right, Yvonne? The washing machine that lasts decades beyond its life. Um, that actually is not ours. It's in California. It's my in-laws. And they have had that washing machine, I think, when you were a little girl. <laughs> And it keeps going and going and going and going. So imagine the same washing machine that washed Yvonne's clothes as a child are still washing and drying clothes today. And, and there's just maybe a subtle way in which Proverbs 11 verse 24 works itself out that God protects a washing machine so there's no undue expense. Or as Randy Alcorn gave this uh, um, illustration of a, of a car 
that continued to function well for years beyond its, its life. We, we've seen that as well. Our son, SR, is coming back from, from Wyoming to Illinois here in a few weeks, and he has a car like this. He bought a car in college, an old Subaru, uh, with some, I'm not sure how much it was, 200, 200 plus thousand miles on it when he bought it, and now it's over 300,000 miles, I think, and it's, it's just going well. And, and SR just loves this thing. And so he's going to come back here, and I, I hope my illustration doesn't break down, right? Okay. I hope it makes it back from Wyoming back to Illinois, <clears throat> and if it does, he can see it and says, oh, that's, that's God's blessing upon your life, right? that car that keeps going and going and going when he is uh, a starving artist trying to make enough to, uh, to get it. But he's coming back to start a full-time salary job. <laughs> Way to go, SR. Um, but there is... There's, there's a way that God might work, and God might work in, in other ways, right? Just, just kindness from, from others, and, and we've experienced that um, in, in our life. Just want to tell you another story about ways that verse 24 might work itself out. Um, one of the recent snowstorms, I was inside, and I heard some loud noises coming from outside, and so this is what it was. Can anyone see what's happening in this picture? I know it's really hard because it's through the screen of my window and something's happened outside. Who, who can tell? Yeah. These two guys are, are, are snow blowing our driveway. And uh, that's Mr. Bovey over there on the left. And that's Mr. <laughs> Mr. Feltz on the right. I'm just having a brain cramp there. And so these guys, by the time I got out there, they said, oh, well, you, you can do the, the front driveway or something. You can do a little bit. And so I, I like shovel a little bit but it, it was it was all done and uh during this time like i'm not sure you can see it but mr feltz is looking at mr bovey and mr feltz is observing how well mr bovey's snowblower is working because mr bovey's got a big one and mr feltz has a little one and uh kind of while while we were done he said you know <laughs> i see how much better job that one does than mine i need a bigger one he said uh, steve you want a you want a snowblower so we have a, a snowblower now that just God has, has given. Um, and, and that's the sort of ways that God can work in your lives of just working behind the scenes so as to bring a blessing, subtly bringing blessing of favor upon your life. There are many other things that, that God might do in your life, maybe that God is doing in your life that you don't even see, that you won't even know about until eternity. Just little ways of what God does. We, we read in prayer meeting this morning, Romans eight twenty eight, it says, for those who love God, he works all things together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. It says, that if, you, if you love God, you're called according to his purpose, he's going to work all things for good in your life. Now, it doesn't mean everything is good, but it's all going to be work for good. And so it just says that his hands are upon our lives in ways probably that we're not even aware of. And so as verse 24 says, the one gives freely yet grows all the richer. It's because the one who gives freely, God looks down upon that one with favor and blessing and care and keeping. And he helps and keeps that sort of person. It's what it speaks about, the, the generous one. James 1 says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. See, God is in the business of giving gifts, and he gives us every good gift, 
And he may give that, he may not, but he looks down upon those who are generous and has extra favor towards those people. Now, I, I just think about another little way, biblical illustration of this. You remember when the Israelites were about to enter the land? Um, what, what Moses said to them? Deuteronomy 29, verse 5. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn off your feet. For 40 years, had the same clothes, had the same sandals. And, and, and Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 9, brings us to remembrance and even adds the manna. How God provided manna for you day in and day out. Just God providing and, and blessing. And, and he might do that. And particularly, he might do that to generous people. Now, sometimes this provision is subtle and sometimes it's miraculous. You remember the story of the widow in Second Kings chapter 4? Her husband was one of the sons of the prophets. He feared the Lord, is, was her testimony. She, he trusted the Lord along with his wife to serve him. Um, and I would suspect then that they would be generous people. But at one point he died, left his wife home alone with two children. And at one point she was in financial trouble. She owned much money to a certain creditor who one day this creditor showed up at, at the door of his house and threatened to take her two children as slaves so as to make good on this debt that she owed. And she cried out to Elisha, the prophet of God, for help. And I just pick up the story in Second Kings 4, beginning of verse 2. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. And then the oil stopped flowing And she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. A miraculous way in which God, this this servant of God and his wife, God just blessed this in a miraculous way. That's what God can do. It doesn't mean that he does it all the time, but that's what God can do. He has a way of blessing the righteous, blessing the generous. And on, on the other side, you can think about the hardship that he brings to the greedy. Now, many times, I think it might be real subtle and imperceptible, right? Those that want to keep their hundred apples, right? The next day they go out and they found that some of the apples have rotted. And, um, you know, that's why they only have 90. But, you know, one spoiled apple what ruins everything, right? So it can easily ruin everything. And, and God can do that. Don't think that anything's outside of God's hand to, to bring the curse or hardship upon people, it, it might come in the form of, say, a furnace that breaks down, right? or, or some sort of home repair that, that comes, or um, some kind of accident, whether it's a car accident, or a, a tree that falls on a house, or a, a storm, which uh, you know, uh, some kind of power line comes down and starts a fire, or some kind of sickness that, that brings with large hospital bills with it, or, or maybe even just subtly in the form of just subtle worries that, that keeps you awake at night, and therefore you don't get enough rest, and therefore you're not as alert when you go to work the next day, and you've got this financial strain on your life. There are myriads and myriads of ways that God can bring hardship upon those who are, are greedy. 
They can be small. They can be solid. See, all those things that God can protect. Uh, Psalm 121, we've been meditating on that the past couple of weeks and in prayer meeting, just thinking about the Lord will protect you from all evil. He'll keep your soul. He guards you. He never sleeps. He, he never slumbers, we sang this morning. He just keeps us and protects us. And, guard, and, and he can keep us from illness. He can keep us from that accident. He, he, he can keep that furnace going. He can stop the accident before it happens. He, he can do all these things. So he can, he can bless you or he can right, bring hardship upon your life. And I think that's what verse 24 is talking about. And, or it can be really big. Uh, one withholds what he should give and he only suffers want. I, I think about a large and catastrophic way. You remember when the Israelites were coming to take the promised land? And uh, they defeated Jericho, and everyone was super excited because they, they marched around the city seven times, and the, the walls fell out, out, outward, and then the people of Israel came in, and they conquered uh, Jericho, and they, they rescued um, uh, Heg, uh, what's her name? Help me. Rahab. I don't know what's up with my mind this morning. Rescued Rahab, brought her out, helped her out, rescued. Everyone's really happy. And, and then, they, then they go down to Ai. And they go and they, they try to conquer Ai, and it doesn't work. 36 of the Israelites are destroyed. They say, why is this, Lord? Because of greed. Because of greed in the man in the camp named Achan. And, and when they finally got to who it was, Achan confesses, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar... And 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. Then I coveted them and I took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with silver underneath. What did he do? He was greedy, right? He's trying to grab. He's trying to collect and keep all this stuff. That God says when you go into Jericho, you destroy everything. But he saw the silver and the gold. He was greedy and he, he took it and he kept it and he hid it away. As a result, when they attacked, 36 Israelites were killed. But there's a connection between the greedy man's actions and, and God's curse upon Israel. Death upon real people came because they were greedy. There, there's another one withholds what he should give, right? That, that shouldn't have been kept. And he, he suffers want. And in the case of Achan, he lost his life. And that's the sort of working of God behind the scenes that, that gives Solomon the observation that one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Now at this point, I need you to see that this is a real general statement. Um, this is not hard and fast. It's not a rule. Uh, like most Proverbs, it is addressed in the, the general sense, in, in the general case. He says, talking about Solomon, he says, well, one, one gives freely and does this, and yet another one right, holds back what he should give and he does this. It's not every instance like Proverbs. In fact, there are some times in the scriptures where you see the exact opposite. Psalm 73, you can read that. Asaph has been following the Lord and, and serving him, and yet when he looks at the wicked, those who are greedy and pursuing things, they're fat. Their bodies are, are fat and sleek, they're, and they're not in trouble as others are, right? And they, there's no pains in their death. So God doesn't do this all the time. And it often seems like it's the opposite. It's not everyone who grows, gives freely who will grow richer. It's not everyone who withholds who will descend into poverty. But you know what? It's enough of a pattern that Solomon would, would write about it. 
about those who would give freely. And in fact, when you, when you look through the Scripture, you, you never find, though, that it says, right, if, if someone gives, they're going to give away, and then they're going to lack. It doesn't say that. Or someone doesn't say, well, if people are going to hoard, they're going to get everything, and they're going to be really good. The Scripture never speaks that way. It, it always speaks the other way, right? You give, and then God's blessing comes upon you. You keep, and God's going to take away from you. That's just how the, how the Scriptures generally speak. But don't think this is a promise. I know there are many preachers who might say, here's a promise, right? You give. You give and you give and you give. And what often happens means is or you give to the church, you give to the preacher, and God will give back to you, right? It's a good deal. And remember, I've told you this before. I said, well, you should say to that preacher, how about, how about reverse that? How about you give to me and watch how much God's going to give to you? That'd be a wonderful thing, right? Of course, it doesn't work like it. Once you, once you put this as a promise or, or an absolute necessity, then it all, all goes away. Well, I want to consider just a few Proverbs now um, just regarding the generous, and then we'll look at a few Proverbs regarding the greedy. And look at the next verse. It's just right there. Same thing. Verse 25. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. The picture here is one of someone bringing blessing. That could be lots of different ways. That, that could be with gifts. That could be a blessing of words. That could be acts of kindness. Just somehow, this person does something that really helps and really blesses another person. And that's the sort of person that verse 25 says will be enriched. Um, their lives will know and experience the blessing of God. That's exactly what verse 24 says, just illustrating it a little different way. The second half of the verse seems to indicate the same way the blessings went, the blessings will, will, will come back. Was this often encouragement? Then encouragement will come back. If there's a financial, financial will come back. If there's some help and service some way, that help and service will come back in some other way. Because, right, whoever waters, the one who waters, will himself be watered. And, and the water here in, a, in an arid and dry and desert land is a picture of blessing as you, as you give the water that's needed to to grow life. And so also you will be watered, you'll be helped, you'll be given life as well. Those are generous. Um, let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. We looked at this before, so we don't need to really spend much time on it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your bats will be bursting with wine. That is, if you use your wealth to honor the Lord, you'll never suffer want. In fact, even here, it, it, it promises a, a blessing. Um, and, and I think if you honor the Lord with your wealth, there's, there's a subtle way here. If, if you're going to give to God so that he gives back to you so that you're rich, so you're satisfied in yourself, you're not honoring the Lord with your wealth. But if you take what you have and you give and you sow it abroad, this, the, the scripture here speaks that God will, will help you. And it, God will fill your barns with plenty. You, you will not suffer want. As Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, I just, if you're generous, if you're giving, you're not going to lack. Yet that's often, often what we think. Right, I mean, just think about us as a church. I mean, I just looked at We gave $40,000 away to missions last year. Have we lacked? We've not lacked. Maybe that was too much for what we can do this year, so we've skimmed back a little bit. That's okay. 
But, but still, you, you know our heart. I would love to see that be 50% of what we, we get. We can give away and, and bless others with. But that, that's just where it is, right? So we're, we're even as a church, we're, we're giving in, in that sense, and yet it's, it, it's not totally worked, but yet we know that we're blessed with that. I mean, I was just looking up there and seeing that we, we give another 5000 to Bob Clinton on top of the 5000 we give him. Just, he's doing great. How many of you read the Weekly Word this week? Encouraged by that story? How many of you went to the new website that we have and saw the Weekly Word on the website? How many of you did that? Oh, you got to. Maybe that's the fruit of my labor. It's like unbelievable how many, I've written how many weekly words, and that's just gone pages and pages and pages and pages. But if ever there's something in the weekly word, they say, oh, I didn't see that. Just go to the website, and they are all there. So go to, go to the website, and you can find it there in the members section. Well, there is, there is blessing, right? If you, if you give, God will honor that, and your barns will be filled. Well, just think about, on the other side, think about the greedy I'm just going to consider just a few Proverbs there. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 19. Again, we were there in Proverbs chapter 1. These are, are people who are trying to get gained by, by bullying others, lying in wait for their blood, setting an ambush for their lives, and trying to, trying to get them. And it says at the end, right, verse 18, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. And they set an ambush for their own lives. These are people trying to get rich quick, trying to extort others, trying to steal from others, trying to take from others so that they can have. They're greedy, right? They want to bother ours. And it says, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Like, it, it will not help to be greedy, to try to, try to gab, grab things by unjust gain and try to get it that way. It'll take away your life. And that's a way in which God curses then those who are greedy. Or, or turn to chapter 28. We're going to look at just a couple more Proverbs that speak about, speak about greed. Proverbs 28 and verse 22. A stingy man, there's a greedy. Think snood. Thinks Ebenezer Scrooge. A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. Hastening after wealth. Think about Mr. Potter. It's a wonderful life, right? They got it all. They got it all. But what, what's going to happen? In the end, poverty is going to come upon him. Maybe physically, maybe spiritually, socially. Sometimes the most stingy people tend to be those who push others off and be socially, socially bankrupt. But I just think about there are plenty of those people in life that that have, have worked and 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 worked. And in the end... Nothing. Because they haven't given. It's all been about them. It's about, oh, i got to get my treasure. i got to go. And in the end, nothing. I've spoken with enough men who've tried to build their business. And they're, they're skilled at some craft, say, what, whatever. Laying carpet or painting or whatever. And, and, and they're, they're good there. And, and they, they understand how to get jobs and bid jobs. And so they start bidding jobs and getting more jobs and they start hiring a few others and pretty soon they have a whole crew of workers and, and they're all working and it's trying to trying to build this business for themselves where now it's rather than just one guy doing it it's one guy over 20 guys doing it and i've heard on several occasions these guys have said we're working night and day and night and day and by the end of the line we we, we total up all that we made throughout the year and we did not make a dime more <coughs> They were just a single guy just painting walls and doing much better at that. 
And, and there, there's the picture that apart from the blessing of God, all labor is in vain. You're just laboring and working and working and working. And if it's all for yourself, God will thwart you at every, every place. And the stingy man doesn't know poverty is going to come upon him. Or, or Proverbs 28, verse 25. We see here both sides, which is often the case in Proverbs. We're going to do this, we're going to go to the New Testament, and then we'll be done. But it says in 25, it says, A greedy man stirs up strife, but one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. And you often see the contrast there in Proverbs, but the, the one who's greedy and is going to take it all, it's going to cause contention and, and strife because he's got it because they've got, you've got, I got it. You know, it's all about who has what. Trying to have the most will stir up strife. But if you trust in the Lord, right, live with open hands, your life will be enriched. And, and so it comes down to us at Rock Valley Bible Church, right? There's obvious application. Application for us is just, just be generous. You know, just be generous because that's better for you to be generous. And I encourage you to be generous because as, as uh, our text says today, right, we have a God working behind the scenes who will help us and bless us in all the ways that we need. In fact, turn, turn over then to First Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 6, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians 9. Um, this is a New Testament passage. Paul's talking about giving, and, and maybe you have heard this before. Um, this is the classic text upon giving. I want to twist it a little bit for you because I think that's, um, that's applicable here. He says this, Proverbs chapter 9, and we go through a lot. Chapters 8 and 9 talks about giving. But it's about giving this, uh, this collection. Right? You, got, you have saints in Jerusalem who are hurting and physically because of what's, what's taking place there. And you've got these, these Greek believers. And he's raised this collection so he can go and bring relief to those in Jerusalem. Missions is what he's talking about. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That's exactly what Proverbs 11.24 says. Sow sparingly, well, you reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So God looks down upon a cheerful giver, and another name for a cheerful giver is a, a generous one. God loves generous people. So when God looks down on generous people, that's, he sets his favor upon them. says so he, he loves them. <coughs> and look at how God works behind the scene. And the cheerful giver, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And there it is, right? That there's, there's God who's got all the sufficiency to meet all your needs and to satisfy every, everything you want, everything you need. You're not going to outgive God. You're not, you're not going to be outside of God's care because this passage here in, in 2 Corinthians speaks about giving. It, it speaks about the God behind the giving is going to come by and help, as the scripture says. He has distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. It's interesting, though, as I said, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 isn't about giving you the church. Okay? 
And really, that's not my message this morning. Give to the church. Give to Rock Valley Bible Church because we need it. You know what happened at Rock Valley Bible Church, right? It's, it's what, what, are we, what are we like, right? We're, we're living where we're living and we're, we're giving. And so really, whatever we can give more, that just is going to increase in many ways. Missions giving like Second Corinthians chapter 9 speaks about to be a blessing to other people. Because God, God has given us in America more than any other nation any time has ever lived. And I feel like we have an obligation to do what we can to help give back to our community and to those around the world. And I just encourage you, as you think about giving, as you think about uh, just our, our shortfall a little bit at Rock Valley Bible Church, just to think about that, that God is the one who makes up the lack and God is the one who looks and shines upon those who live with open hands. And I just encourage you to be giving in general, just to be a generous people, because God will bless that. And God will bless all of us for that. So let's pray. Father, I would pray, God, you would teach us to be generous people. God, that we would not be greedy, not to look at, at things only for ourselves. God, but the things we have are, are things you've given us that we might use to advance your kingdom and to serve people and to help others with that. Um, God, help us to see that you're, you're the moving force behind why the one who, who gives is all the more richer. Help us to see that you're the one behind that when a one withholds what he should give, that um, God, he, he experiences trouble and hardship. And so, Father, I would pray that we would see that in our giving and our generosity, you, you see, you know all that we give. You're more aware of what goes in and out of our bank accounts than we are. And you are more than capable of, of preserving the, the things we have, our cars and our appliances and our, our carpets that don't wear out. And, and you're able to give gifts through other people, even unsaved people, just for a, a blessing for us to help us. I, I pray that we'd see that, God, that we at Rock Valley Bible Church would live with open arms and open hands, ready to give, ready to, to serve, ready to help in, in any way we can. So God, help us and bless us as a church. Thank you for what you have given so much in the past. Thank you that we have this building debt-free. God, thank you that we have been able to have this wonderful auditorium now that we've remodeled and for all the different ways which the generous people here have served. That's would pray that you'd just press us on uh, to love and good deeds. May today be a day in which I, I stirred us up to these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.